Welcome to Alabama Short Stories, when you're a little behind on your Alabama history. I'm your host, Sean Wright. Family portraits are kind of weird, don't you think? These old pictures that have been looking over the family for years. Some children feel like the eyes follow them around the room. Maybe they do. Portraits seem weird to me as a kid. The older I got, the more interesting they became. Now, my parents have a set of portraits hanging in their living room of Ephraim H. Foster and his wife, Susan A. Watkins, my third great-grandparents. They were married in 1847 in Lawrence County, Alabama, probably Cortland, where they raised a family before moving to Decatur at the turn of the century. These portraits were passed down in the family to their daughter, Betty Foster. To her daughter, Susie Pointer, then to my grandmother, Elizabeth Malone, and finally, to my father. These portraits have hung for years over these mantles, and the more I have learned about the subjects, the more comforting they've become. I guess you could say they were instrumental in me learning more about my family history. Portraits have always been more than a record. They've also been used to show power, wealth, social standing, or some other qualities of the sitter. It is also all we had before the invention of the camera a medium that would eventually let everyone, no matter their class or wealth, keep a record of who they were. Portrait artists were not just in the capitals and largest cities of our nation. They were all over, even in the antebellum South. One of those artists was G. Wilhelm Fry. The G was for George, but he never used that name. Fry is spelled F-R-Y-E. When he came to America, it was spelled F-R-E-Y, but he had trouble getting his mail, so according to his daughter, he changed it. His new anglicized name is William Fry. William Fry was born in Breslau, Prussia on September 13, 1822, and raised in Vienna, Austria. He was educated at Heidelberg University and studied art in Prague, Bohemia. While there, he and two other students became fascinated with James Fenimore Cooper's stories of frontier and Native American life. They made plans to have an adventure in America. It was during the Christmas holidays when they were flush with cash that they made their plans. They made it as far as the Port of Bremen when the other two students backed out. The allure of those landscapes called Fry, so he set sail without his friends. And after three months, in 1841, he landed in New York City and spent the next couple of years there. Luckily for Fry, his cousin Count Johann Schmidt was German counsel to New York, and I'm sure that made his transition much more comfortable. Fry was given letters to influential people throughout the country before he started working his way west. He moved to Kentucky for a few years before moving to Huntsville, Alabama. There he met the love of his life, Virginia Catherine Hale. The adventure that started in college to emigrate to America and visit the west and paint the landscapes ended here. They married on May 18, 1848, and would have four children. He became a naturalized citizen in 1852 and called Huntsville home for the rest of his life. Even though he lived in Huntsville, to make a living, he had to travel throughout Alabama and surrounding states to paint portraits of prominent families. He was setting up studios for a time in towns such as Selma, Greensboro, Natchez, and Jackson. In 1853, Fry returned to Huntsville from one of his painting trips. He opened a studio on the west side of the square in a room formerly occupied by Governor Clay as a law office. 
This office would have been on Eustace Avenue, across the street from the Church of the Nativity Episcopal. In 1865, the legislature of Kentucky resolved to have a full-length portrait of Henry Clay painted. They invited artists to compete for the honor, many of which entered the competition. The committee awarded the Palm of Excellence to the portrait painted by Fry. Governor Bramlett wrote Fry, Your portrait of Henry Clay is a complete success and has my full approval. He received $3,000 and the portrait hung over the speaker's chair in the Senate chamber. It now exists at the Kentucky Historical Society. At the beginning of the short story, I mentioned that people had portraits painted before photography was invented. William Fry painted during a time that photography was more commonplace. He painted portraits from daguerreotypes as well as live. Now, Surely this made portrait painting easier and made him more prolific when he didn't have to work at the whims of his live model. Painting from a photograph also allowed him to paint portraits posthumously. Now, towards the end of the 1860s, things started to change for Fry. His paintings had become distorted and he could not tell if there was anything wrong with them. In early 1870, Fry traveled to Arkansas and painted a portrait of the founder of the Arkansas Gazette, William E. Woodruff, and his wife. These and other Arkansas portraits were the last ones he would produce. Later that year, he suffered a stroke in Memphis, giving him some form of paralysis. And during a trip to Mobile in March 1871, he suffered yet another stroke. After these strokes, he developed a violent behavior. And that fall, his wife wrote to Dr. Peter Bryce at the Alabama Insane Hospital in Tuscaloosa, which was later called Bryce Hospital, and she had her husband committed. A doctor and jury judged him a lunatic and indigent. He died in Tuscaloosa on July 1, 1872, at the age of 49, and he was buried on the hospital grounds. William Fry came to America for an adventure to see and paint the Indians and landscapes of the West. Instead, he found a new adventure by raising a family and becoming a successful portrait painter in Huntsville, Alabama. He did get to paint landscapes. His paintings of Huntsville Spring and others from Alabama's Black Belt region are well known. He painted over 140 known paintings, including the two that hang over the mantel in my parents' house. I hope you enjoyed this Alabama short story. If you enjoyed the story, do me a favor and tell one friend to give it a listen. You can subscribe to the podcast at Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. See you next time at Alabama Short Stories.